with Gina Van Lunen to chat about her fertility journey um, all along the way with multiple miscarriages, three rounds of IVF, um, despite great AMH, some poor egg quality kind of mixed in there. So welcome, Gina. We're ready and excited to hear your story. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is fun to do. And I think my story is super interesting. So it'll be good for people to hear just another perspective on fertility. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Well, if you want to go ahead and kind of start off like where this all began, you can totally. Yes. Yeah. So I grew up in New Jersey and I went to Kansas State University for undergrad um, in the hopes of being a veterinarian. And I ended up going to vet school, which was wonderful. Um, And I met a guy from Kansas and ended up marrying a very, very rural farm boy. So now we live in the middle of nowhere, which has been fun and different and super unique, but it definitely had some impacts on my fertility journey. Um, So when we started trying, we were married when we were quite young. So we got married when we were 24. And then because my career was so rigorous and he also had a career, we kind of put off childbearing until I think I had to try to convince him for like six months, like, let's get this party started. Um, Just because I don't know, he just was happy with the way our life was. And I didn't feel any need to um, start having kids. He's kind of he needs to be pushed into things, which is kind of funny. Um, But we started in December of 2020, starting to try. So we were 27, both of us, I believe, 28, maybe 28, maybe. Um, And yeah, after, I don't know, nine months or so, I kind of knew something didn't feel right. He was convinced that I was just crazy. And I, I have the, my mom has infertility, had infertility going, having us, she had three miscarriages and had um, multiple excision surgeries for endometriosis. So I had that kind of in the back of my mind, but I never really showed any signs of having any endo issues. I was on birth control since I was like 16. So I didn't really know what my actual period looked like, even though I thought I had a very normal period. Now you realize that that's just withdrawal periods and all these things once you start to learn. But yeah, so I, um, I knew something didn't feel right. So of course, I was like already heavily involved in listening to podcasts like yours. And I lied to the OBGYN and said that we had been trying for a year. It was nine months, so it's not that big of a difference. But um, <laughs> we got an HSG done and started some blood work and didn't find anything. My husband had a semen analysis as well, which, of course, like many guests, was absolutely perfect. Right. And so, oh, so it's so frustrating, especially because it sounds like he wasn't like jumping at the gun to have kids. And so, like, I related when you said at, after nine months, he thought you were crazy. You're like, no, dude, this has been a long time. Oh yeah. my gosh, so long. It's like, and even when you go through infertility, like, you know that every month you get a period. It doesn't matter if it's your second month trying and you don't want your period. Like, it is a devastating experience. And I think men really just don't resonate with that feeling in the beginning because they just have, they have no idea, you know, they just don't know like the physical effects of your hormone shifting and all these things. And of course my husband is also like not the picture of health. So I make fun of him quite a bit for that. He's just like, he's gotten a lot better, but he's definitely like a canned corn and canned green bean kind of guy. Like he is just 
I we were that trying. We were so hoping. Ca- that sounds so Kansas. It's know, very right? very Midwest. <laughs> It's very, very Midwest. And I, I make fun of him all the time, but just like to get him introduced to new food groups. And like, there is meat besides just beef and like things like that. So it was just oh, funny when all this started to happen. Cause I was like, it's gotta be him, right? He's gotta have some sort of like issue. Your firm. <laughs> yeah. He's perfect. He's everything's fine. So we did our first round of Clomid in that August of 2021 and we got pregnant. So it was like, amazing so exciting he was kind of like see the you know everything's fine and um I was already like so nervous about miscarriage because again I was very involved in this community just like listening I wasn't like participating in the community um but so I was just very aware that like for whatever reason it feels like our subgroup of women also go through miscarriages a lot And so uh, our first ultrasound, I didn't have any betas done at that time. I didn't ask for any betas. My OBGYN obviously didn't think anything was wrong with me either. So he didn't do any betas, but I was having darkening tests. I knew to kind of look for that. Um, And then our first ultrasound was at like seven and a half weeks. And the baby was measuring six weeks and two days. And... There was a heartbeat, but it was like, it felt really weird. Like the ultrasound tech had a really hard time finding it. She kept asking me to like hold my breath, thinking maybe she was getting my heart rate. Like the whole thing just felt pretty eerie. And when she left the room, I said to my husband, I was like, we're having a miscarriage. Like there's no way that this is normal. And of course, like, again, being a man, he has like no idea what I'm even talking about. He's like, what? Like, why do you think that? And I just like, I just know I can feel it. And so he went up to the doctor and of course he had no concerns at all. He was like, oh, maybe you ovulated late. And I'm like, okay, I'm a medical professional. I have been tracking ovulation for nine months and you gave me Clomid. So I don't think I ovulated a week and a half late, respectfully. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, okay, so, so yeah. your OB that's seeing you now for the, or say, seeing you for the pregnancy, he, is he the one that gave the Clomid? So you were really just dealing with the OB at that point. Yes. He's the one that gave the Clomid. So he was fully aware of the whole situation. Um, and yeah. And so then I was like, he was like, well, it's, it's mild bradycardia. So mild, low heart rate being that one, it was a hundred beats per minute. And he was like, we could just bring you back in next week. But again, and this is the sentiment, unfortunately, that has stuck with me for two years. He was like, once we see a heartbeat, the chance of having a miscarriage is super low. Yeah. I was like, do you say that as a doctor? Like, do you give someone that, you know, that thought process? So we went back a week later and the heartbeat was 57. And then we went back a week later and unfortunately there was no heartbeat. So it was just like a lot to, I think, have that kind of false sense of security from him. And I, I didn't, I knew something was wrong. So I didn't really like go with that in my gut, but I kind of felt like offended that he even went there with me. So it was just like really hard. So often. Like that yeah. they do say not, that they say like, okay, well we did see a heartbeat and like it dropped you. I think it's like what, 
less than 20% or something like that, I, or even maybe less than that, but yeah, still, like it just, and then you hold on to that hope. And then I feel like it just hits even harder when then it doesn't happen or like, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think it was, yeah, I was going to say, I think all miscarriage is super, super hard, right? All of it is, but like to go and see that heartbeat and then have to go back and see it again. I, you know, that, that same situation, ours was 86 beats per minute the first time. And so like for years, even be a hundred, I've done so much research because you're right. Like they say, oh, you have a heartbeat. Like you should be in the clear and you can like go and read articles and they do say, but like a hundred to your point is a little bit lower than you want it, but it's also not like oh, it's definitely not going to be successful. Yeah, yeah. So you're just in that limbo. I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was really hard. And I think we just kind of felt like, okay, people have miscarriages. Of course, my mom had pretty much like one in between each of us and there's three of us. So I was like, you know, this happens. Unfortunately, I get that. Um, but then I was having a lot of like issues at work as well. So I subsequently left my job because I didn't feel like my miscarriage was necessarily handled well. Like that was one aspect of it. So like that was really challenging because we live so, so rural and I am a veterinarian. We have like these big non-competes, whether they hold up in court, whether they don't. I just decided to take a different avenue and I started traveling like same thing as travel nursing. I started doing that um, in Denver. So about three and a half hours um, west of where I live. And I would go three days a week and then come back home. So that was kind of what I did in the interim while I was still trying to figure out what was going on. But of course, it made it stressful with trying to conceive because there were multiple times where I was ovulating and I was in Denver and my husband would like drive through a snowstorm. So like, it really was cute. He oh, started he like, oh, good for him. That's, yeah, yeah, that's commitment. <laughs> but of course you just think like, okay, like God's going to answer my prayers. Right. Like, obviously like he wouldn't put my husband in that position that my husband has to make those decisions. And then like, you know, things are just going to work out. Unfortunately they just didn't. So we did get pregnant naturally in January. So we had our, my miscarriage took forever for my HCG to come down. I don't hear like a lot of people describing that. Um, I guess I didn't really go on about the miscarriage. I did end up taking Cytotec. Um, luckily, you know, luckily I did not have the experience that a lot of people do. Of course it was very uncomfortable. You're at your house, but I was trying to like avoid a DNC with my work schedule, which is so, so silly, of course, now. And that's just like kind of part of all of the kind of drama and stress associated with my work. I was just like trying to be a good employee. And like now it's like for what, Gina? Like, yeah. you know, there's no there's no reason to do that. So I took Cytotec. I had a fine experience. I mean, it was terrible. And I'm sure it's similar to labor and from what I hear from a lot of people. Um, but we got through it, but my HCG was still very high. Um, so they basically like brought me back in for what they thought was going to be a DNC. And then they checked my HCG the morning of, and it was like a hundred and they did an ultrasound and there was like a small piece. Maybe they thought that was like still holding up the HCG, but I was like, you know, if I could just wait it out and see, I would prefer not to do a DNC because of course I had already heard of all the women that have scar tissue from DNCs and I was very um, cognizant of that. 
So we held off on a DNC and then luckily my HCG did come down, but it took forever. I think my miscarriage was like in October and I don't think I had a negative HCG until like December. So that's, that's, um, that's very interesting. You share that my loss, that was very similar to yours with the heartbeat and lowering. That was the one that took the longest for the HCG as well. I think it was like six to eight weeks or something, which is just excruciating because you want to try again. Right. And you're like, I'm not back at baseline. Yeah. And you're just like in this like whole, like interim sadness, griefness, and I don't know, it's just challenging, but finally it came back down. And then we randomly got pregnant naturally right after. And of course, it's just like, God answered my prayers. Like he heard, like, I wanted to be pregnant so quickly. And like, thank goodness, this is me. Like, I don't have to experience this again, blah, blah, blah. And I had my HCG checked. And I think the first one was 247. And then the second HCG beta was 75. So it was a chemical. And it was just terrible, like back to back losses, feeling really, um, I'm a very confident and happy and outgoing person. And it was literally like, is my life worth anything in this world? Like, what am I supposed to be if I'm not a mom? And so it was just like, really, um, it gets me emotional, like thinking about it right now, because I had just never felt like that version of depression. Um, And I like really understood kind of, you know, where people are coming from when they just like feel like they can't get out of bed and do anything. Cause it was just, it was one of those feelings like, wow. Yeah, I can definitely relate. And I think you already mentioned like the hormone piece of it too. I mean, the miscarriage, your hormones are just drastically dropping off, which aids in this like process of you're already grieving and then you have the hormones on top of it. Yeah. And just like to compare, it felt like, you know, again, people around here get pregnant very young there. I had more pregnancies already than, than other people had. And they had children, you know, like it just felt like why have I had two now unsuccessful pregnancies and people are getting pregnant on accident, of course. And like, we've been married for a month, which is like, again, that's a beautiful experience, but it just wasn't mine. And it's just so hard to relate to Mm -hmm. when you're experiencing loss after a whole year of like nothing. So it's difficult. So started going to Denver for work. And I think I did, I wrote it down here, maybe like three more rounds of Clomid, February, March, and April of this would now be 2022. Um, We did more Clomid cycles and we never got pregnant. Um, I basically tried to quiz the OBGYN up because of course I just felt like he wasn't taking it as seriously as I was. And he was like, you know, these things happen. It could have just been a bad quality embryo. And you just because at, this point, because at this point, you're just saying, he's saying like, it's unexplained infertility or unexplained loss. They probably didn't even use the word infertility. No. Yeah. They don't even say anything. And like, I have asked you? him. No, no, no. You can go ahead. I was just going to say if, if you've gotten your AMH, AMH tested at this point. Not at all at this point, which is like crazy. Cause again, he was an OBGYN and I now knowing so much about AMH, I'm like, why are you just like not running this on women at like annual appointments, you know? So hadn't had anything checked. Um, as far as like, besides just like normal blood panel in my HSG. 
So I also asked him about, should I do a DNC so I can test the genetics of the embryo? Because again, like being a veterinarian, like that's where my brain goes. Like, let's try and figure out if this is an embryo issue or me. And he was like, well, it'll be expensive and your insurance probably won't cover it. And I was like, okay, knowing what I know now, like I care about any of those things. Right. <laughs> it's so true. Because it changes your your course of, am I going to treat my my anatomy or my uterus or am I going to treat the quality of the embryos? Well, and I still had this kind of like question in the back of my head, like, do I have endo? Like mm-hmm. how significant is endo? Because my mom did have it so severe. Like what is, and then her mother had it too. And her mom had miscarriages. So I'm like, okay, so there's a direct familial line, but I just don't have any symptoms of it. So it was just like this kind of question in the back of my head, like, is my anatomy part of the issue? Because it appeared that that was my mom's issue that she had to have excision surgery. So we go on to, I'm practicing in Denver three days a week. Unfortunately, Eric is coming out when I'm ovulating, which apparently was always like in the middle of a week. So that was tough, but he was a good sport about it, but we never got pregnant again. Um, And then finally in April, I went to a reproductive endocrinologist in Denver. And of course that was like our first RE appointment. I thought it was going to be like, calm, cool, and collected. And it was like very much, you have unexplained infertility. I don't think IUIs are going to be helpful for you. You should go on to IVF. And I'm very much that kind of person that I want to get things going. So I respected that. And I, um, I liked that about our doctor that he was very direct, but I don't think I was, I didn't have the conversation with my husband about IVF beforehand. So I didn't like prepare him for, Oh, wow. This is, this is what goes on. Yeah. And he's also like super conservative with like money and all these things. So I wasn't sure how overwhelmed he was going to get by that piece. Did they share that the financial piece of it in the first appointment? They did because luckily we had really good insurance, which was really um, helpful and surprising and probably a huge piece that kind of kept us going. Um, My husband's company has like a I want to say it was like a $80,000 lifetime max. Yeah, it was really, really good. And um, I might be a little bit wrong with the numbers. They had a $15,000 pharmacy benefit. So, of course, I ran through that on like the first round, um, just what the way meds are for retrievals. They're so dang expensive. Yeah. So we, of course, I think the figures were kind of like $27,000 around basically for IVF. And, um, you know, we just had to pay certain things out of pocket. It just kind of depended on, but pretty much our insurance covered quite a bit of it. And so my AMH at that first appointment, we started the blood work, um, just at the consultation, my AMH was like 3.2. So I was like, amazing. Like I'm going to have a million eggs and all these things. My antral follicle count was maybe like 20. Um, and then my husband's semen analysis was fine. We also did karyo screening or karyotyping, whatever those, my doctor's pretty progressive about like all of the things up front. So he did do a lot of those extra testing. Talk about expensive. I was just about to say that. Yeah. We ended up doing it too, before we even started IVF and that was expensive. 
Yeah, we just got a bill for one of them and it was like an out of control, like out of pocket. I think we paid like $700 out of pocket or something just because of how expensive oh, yeah. those tests were. So we did all of that up front. Um, luckily, nothing crazy in that sense. And we started our first round. We had to wait like a month. And then we started our first round in June of 2022. We got 21 eggs. So it was super exciting. Oh, yeah. Um, I think like 19 of them were mature. I have like great maturation. I respond really well to the meds. I feel just fine. I really don't have like a whole lot of side effects. So it was, everything was smooth sailing. Um, a lot of them fertilized. So I think maybe like 17 of them fertilized. So it was normal wow. fertilization, everything good. So I'm doing like the math because they give you like this paperwork and they're like 30 to 40% of them should make it to blast. So I'm like, oh, great. I don't know. We'll have you know, five or six and we'll have Which our family and like more than enough. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like, I just always went into this thinking that I would probably have three children because my husband's one of three, I'm one of three. And it just, you know, just seemed like that's kind of what our family wanted to be. Um, but when it came to day five, I didn't get a call at all. And I was really quite anxious and I knew they grew them to day six, but I didn't suspect that I was going to be in the category of people that needed them to grow to day six. So I called and she was like, well, yeah, there's like one that's a, almost ready. And I was like, okay, what about all of the other ones? And she was like, yeah, unfortunately quite a bit of arrested um, and quite a bit are at the early blast phase. And I don't remember all the numbers and things like that, but I was devastated. Like I could not believe that we maybe were only going to get one and it was so on day fertilized right as you say day three was 17 yeah so I think there was like 17 or so that were growing and fertilized normally um we don't get day three calls at this clinic so that was the only difference but yeah our our fertilization at the day after was totally normal and to be expected And so, um, yeah, only one made it. So that was shocking. And I basically was like full, you know, what do we do next mode? Like, this is, is, is this my reason for infertility? Like, is this what my problem has been the whole time? And the nurse was like, maybe, or maybe not. I mean, some people just have like a bad first round Mm -hmm. and maybe we can adjust a few things. My issue though I did not have any maturation issue. I did not have any, like, it wasn't as if my body needed a higher dose of meds. That wasn't really the issue, which of course, when you talk to most women, like that's what they start to tweak. Mm -hmm. So for me, they took away, um, I think I was primed with a little bit of testosterone. Every time I took growth hormone too, which is supposed to be like really good for egg quality. And of course Mm -hmm. that's the really, really expensive drug. Um, but there wasn't like a whole lot they could change. So they just took away the testosterone and they said, you know, some women get one embryo the first round and they get 10 the second and we can't really explain it. So I, oh, but they did keep telling me, which again, like even in a fertility clinic, it's really unfortunate. They were like, you know, the biggest thing you can manage is your stress. And I'm like, that like puts that back on the woman. How does one manage their stress? Like what? Ew. 
Oh, we have matching Stanleys. Sorry. <laughs> Mine's just downstairs. <laughs> My husband would be making fun of us all right now. I know, right? Mine do. Same with, same with mine, which we'll talk later on that one. Anyways, move <laughs> forward. Um, wait, I have a question. Did you yeah. or did your like, did the doctors or anything want to uh, test your embryo or were they like, no, you're young. Let's not. Yes. So again, talk about like progressive. I don't think at this clinic, like he really gives that much of an option unless you're like really adamant that you don't want to do it. We also like this clinic doesn't do like any sort of, I know I've heard some people kind of describe that they need to have like a certain amount. Like, I think I just paid for it and like, it is what it is. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think it matters if I had one versus 10, I think over a certain amount it matters, but like, I didn't see like a huge reflection in my bill that I only had one. So we did send that one off. And unfortunately, which like I already could feel in my bones, like it came back aneuploid. So oh, it had. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was like so devastating. It came back maybe with like an extra 16th chromosome. I don't know. My husband like looked into it, of you know, of course, and there's mm. never been a child born with whatever chromosome it was. So it just was something that was non-compatible with life. And it was just hard. It was hard hearing the gender. It was a boy. Uh -huh. So that was really hard because like, I think we just both pictured ourselves like having a boy. And so it was difficult, but um, we were adamant that we wanted to move forward. And um, we just didn't really tell anyone. We didn't. We just felt like I don't want the pressure of having to, like, give the numbers, give the reports. Because, again, people have so little understanding of what you're going through that it's, like, even my mom, like, I talk to you all the time. She just couldn't understand the numbers aspect of it. Like, it doesn't make uh -huh. any sense, right? So that was my version of trying to lower my stress. We just, like, didn't tell anyone. I think I did like purge some Facebook for a while too, because that was just really hard seeing everyone with all their announcements and just like first birthday photos and people just celebrating constantly that they have children and that their parents, which like, why wouldn't they celebrate? But it was really hard. Cause it just always feels like a, I don't know, slap in the face it that does. you're not there. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't know if you're going to get there. Right. I mean, yeah. that's the thing with IVF kind of from that first round, like you just, you just assume that it's going to be this perfect thing. And, you know, I was basically really slapped hard into the sense that like, this might not work for you. Yeah. I feel like all three of us, you know, our first round of IVF was unsuccessful and it's like, I think a lot of people go into IVF with, okay, this is the last resort. We're going to do IVF sigh. Right. Yeah. And then you're like on the other side of a failed IVF and you're like, what now? Yeah, exactly. So we did a second round. Um, I think my retrieval was on a Monday and my brother got married um, in Carmel. So he got married at Pebble Beach, which was beautiful um, in California. My brothers live in California um, that weekend. So like I was like a little bloated, but I felt fine, um, luckily. And then I told them all like once we were there, like, yeah, we just did another retrieval. We got 21 eggs. So same amount, pretty much same maturation, same fertilization. Everything felt exactly the same. And then on day six, there was two. So I think on day five, there was four. And then by day six, the two had arrested. Um, and so there was two. So we sent those off for genetic testing um, and they both came back euploid. So it was like, 
we got 21 eggs, literally same story every single time. And then very similar maturation, very similar fertilization. Um, but unfortunately, we got zero blastocysts. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. So it was just like so hard coming from two, two euploid embryos. Like first, we couldn't even make a euploid. Now we can't even make a blast. Like it was just this whole hard thing. But I think at this time I had already started a lot of mindset work. I'm like, I don't know how long I'm going to be in this. I don't know how long I'm going to feel the need to keep trying to have a child. Like I don't think my life is ever going to be childless. So I'm going to have to figure out how to manage some of this these issues because like this is my story like I don't know why I don't think I deserve it I don't think anyone deserves it but also like this is just what it is and so how do I move forward and not be sad every single day that I may not have children that are genetically related to me like how do I figure out that place so I did a lot a lot of mindset work I know I talked about acupuncture um, did some, did lots of yoga. I did some therapy with a fertility specific therapist that had actually gone egg donor route. So that was helpful. She was like, if you ever want to actually talk about those things and ask questions. Um, and then I had a fertility coach. So I used Lisa White, who is IVF manifesting a miracle. Oh, and I talked to her. Love yeah. Maybe she yeah, wants to be sure. on the show. <laughs> I know. She would love to be on the show. I'm sure. So she just started a podcast too. I'm sure she would love to be on the show, but we like, we just basically had these conversations about these things. Like how do you move forward through IVF with more joy and not just being like right. being angry that you're in this position, right? Like yeah. let's accept this. Let's hone on this. And that's kind of why I'm interested in always like sharing my story because I feel like I did a lot of those things to just be at a happier place, which was nice. Yeah, that's amazing. So we were like, at this point, the embryologists are saying it doesn't really make sense to keep going, you know, statistically, scientifically, like I'm not getting any better, I'm getting worse. And they don't have any reason for that. So it doesn't make sense to keep moving forward with retrievals. So we were like, let's move forward with transfers. We'll put egg donor on the, you know, backside. If we want to revisit that in the future, we certainly can. Let's not focus on that. But also, like, I'm at a place where I feel very comfortable that I just want to be a parent. I don't necessarily want to have children that, you know, are genetically related to me. I just want to be a parent. So um, we went through all of the process of, um, how do we do everything we can in case this goes wrong, which was really hard mentally for me. Cause of course I just wanted to transfer, but I was like, I only have two embryos. I don't make blast easily. Let's see if we can do some of these uterine tests, which definitely have like some controversy in the IVF world, but my doctor was, um, I think he recommends them for people that only have one or two embryos. So in November, I did an ERA and a BCL-6, which would be um, basically like a protein marker for endometriosis. So it was just two biopsies after going through all the transfer meds. So luckily those came back beautiful. So I was 
receptive um, to the amount of progesterone that they gave me. And I did not have any sort of protein marker for endometriosis. Did that so, give just you kind of, relief? Yeah. Did that give you relief moving forward just for the endo and like not having to have the laparoscopy and all that? Kind yeah. of stuff? Yes. It gave me, it definitely gave me peace that like, okay, I don't need to keep thinking about this. At the same time, I was like, it would have helped to like explain my poor egg quality because that this is my diagnosis. Now I have poor egg quality for unknown reason. And they basically just think it's related maybe to my mom that, you know, my ovaries were developed in her and she was kind of going through these things, but they don't really know. Right. So they, they just don't know. And at the same time, I did have a second opinion because I was like, I just want to put this to rest again. And it was very validating um, because I hadn't, you know, I really hadn't heard from my doctor, like, you have a challenging case. Like, he just did not say that to me um, because, again, I, I think he's just so busy and has a million patients. And that's really not like what he's in the business of doing. So this other doctor I went to, she was like, I think you have a really challenging case, I think it's just hard. It is what it is. We don't know why it is this way. But before you moved on to egg donor, she was like, first of all, are you transferring? And I was like, yes, we're going to move forward with our transfers. I just know that I'm at the youngest I'm ever going to be right now. And I want to make sure we don't feel like I should keep doing retrievals for some reason. And she was like, I think you should move forward with transfers because there's nothing saying that that's going to be part of your issue now. But if you want to revisit before egg donor, I think doing around here would be helpful. Uh, it was CCRM. So I think they yeah. really believe that their lab is, she said that the medium in which they grow their embryos is really like the high quality part. But she also agreed that my center that I was at is not a bad center. So she was like, I don't think you're going to get 10 embryos but maybe you'd get one or two more and that would be helpful for you. I'm glad you so brought that up. I'm really glad you brought that up because I get asked all the time about like certain clinics, like, would you choose this one or this one? And this one's way cheaper. And I think like, you just have to ask that question, like, okay, it's cheaper, but is the lab on site? What, what type of technology are they using? Are they checking them on day one, two, three, four and taking them out of like the incubator type thing? So that's, I, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. And I think like the big challenging part for us is we won't have insurance there. So it would be, you know, $27,000 for a round of IVF where we don't know if we're going to get anything or $30,000 for a fresh egg donor. Right. Mm -hmm. So like that would be things that we would have to definitely consider if we were going to move on with any of these other things. Um, so it was hard, you know, like I'm glad I'm not in that position. I need to think about it right this moment, but it was validating that she, you know, agreed that like, you just have a very difficult case. And she said, she was like, I'm so sorry. You've gone through three rounds of IVF. And I'm like, thank you. Like, this is hard. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's that was a lot. Like, just to be seen by like a doctor too, for her to say just, that. Yeah. Good. Just be heard and kind yeah. of acknowledge that like, it's not easy to do all of this financially, yeah. mentally, physically, all these things. Yeah. Um, so we moved forward with transfer prep. So that was super exciting. Um just continued to kind of do all of these things and work on this mindset that like, Hey, I'm in this position that I can't control anything, but I can control, I can't control anything with my embryo. I can't control anything with my uterus, but I have done everything I can do. I have done every test on my uterus that has been offered. Um, 
you know, I'm doing all this mindset work. I'm okay with our path to parenthood and I accept that and I embrace whatever it is. Um, so all those kind of just woo woo, whatever you want to call them things that just really help me. So I use like insight timer a lot, which is an app that's just meditation. They have great like spirit baby meditation. Yeah, so they I used it too. Okay. They have, it's so good. Um, we should link it. Will you send me the ones you use and I'll try to yes. find the one. It was so good. It's like specific yeah. to like, like meditation, like thinking about your uterus and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, love that. Like, I haven't heard of it. That's really yeah, cool. Like calling in your baby basically and all this kind of stuff that again, like it doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. Like or whether other people believe in it or not, like if it just makes you feel good and it made me feel good, like I was doing everything I can on my end and that's all I can do. So yeah, on December 27th, we transferred our higher quality embryo of our two embryos um, and we got pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. I, you, she, Gina shared she was pregnant as soon as we joined and I'm like following the story. Like, but when did she get pregnant? Because all of this happened last year. (laughs) Yeah. So it was so exciting. We had a beautiful transfer, of course, like in the back of your mind, you're just like, you know, all these things, right? Like whims if it doesn't thaw, whims if it's this, you know, it's just, you think of all this stuff, but I tell myself constantly, those are thoughts. They are not facts. Like, You can think all the bad things you want, but there's a reality of the situation and that's not always what your thought process is, right? So these are just kind of trauma responses that we all have because we've been through this game for two and a half years, two years, whatever it is. Um, And your your body responds to all that trauma, right? And this is the way it's responding, but- And you've never had good news. So you're like- I've never had good news. Yeah, you're like, what's happening? And so that's a lot what Lisa White and I kind of talked on changing the narrative of like, why, why would this work to why can't this work? Because basically, that's just what I thought of the whole time. Like before I was like serious in the transfer prep, I'm just like, I've never had good news. I've never, you know, gotten pregnant and had a normal sustainable pregnancy. I've never gotten through a round of IVF and been like amazed with the results. I'm always disappointed. Like, so it was just changing that narrative in my mind that now going into transfer, it was like, I don't have any reason why this wouldn't work. Like there's nothing to say that my uterus isn't ready for a pregnancy. And of course my embryo was not perfect quality. And it was not a day five. So all those things kind of would creep in my head. But I just, I kept saying, like, I can't, I can't give up on him because he's a boy. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I'm so, I was so like, happy for you. Oh, my God. Me too. Have you had that first ultrasound? I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah, so um, I guess even like just, again, talk about like reassurance and and just exciting stuff. So I had my beta like super late. I'm not sure why. Um, but I had my beta 13 days past transfer. So it took forever. Um, but it was nine 46 on the, fir- wow. on the first ones. Like that was super exciting. And the second one was like, I don't know, 22 50 or something. So it was like such good things. Um, and then 
two weeks ago, we had around seven, seven weeks, we had our first ultrasound. Um, and it was really cute. We went back to Denver and the ultrasound tech, obviously she's used to doing these. So like the second she put the wand in, she was like, I see a heartbeat. Oh, because that's the best. best. That's the best. So because sweet. she knows that you're like already so hyped up. And my, my husband was like, oh. thank god you know that's so so interesting you said that because you shared the first ultrasound he's like what are you talking about miscarriage and then they do learn and they go with you and then I feel like sometimes they're even more emotional like we're so stonewalled in it and then they're like oh my god thank you yeah his his mindset totally changed once we were like in IVF he just like totally could relate more to what I was going through. And then, you know, like even when one of our siblings had recently before we were pregnant had recently announced that they were pregnant, like he was like, this is what you've been feeling all this time. And I was like, this is it, you know, like it's hard, you know, it's just hard to experience people having such an easy time. And even, you know, if we do continue to have success, like it's always going to be hard because we're always going to be infertile. But where, you know, the whole thing is throughout this journey is we've kind of learned how to manage and cope with all these things. So, yes, um, we had a normal ultrasound and it was just so weird to hear them saying, like, this is measuring perfectly and the sack looks perfect. And we were seven weeks in one day and the baby measured seven weeks in one day. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. That's so reassuring. We're so excited for you. Thank you. So feel like okay so far um you know continuing just to try and like protect my peace with all this mindset stuff because it's it's hard which any sort of pregnancy after infertility both of you guys have experienced that it's not easy but just taking it one day at a time oh I love that well we're so happy for you oh my goodness and we definitely want to share um who you worked with you said her name was Lisa White yes IVF manifesting a miracle is her business name like, well, we're definitely going to share that. I love that. But we're so excited for you. And we'll definitely follow along your journey. Do you post about anything on your social media? So I also am a part of Fertility Rally, um, which is a really awesome support group. And they are virtual, which is really helpful for me being in the middle of nowhere. I would love to have something in person, but just my circumstances are difficult. So I have a infertility account now. So it is G Van Lunen, V-A-N-L-O-E-N-E-N fertility. And I post kind of everything on there. And it's mostly just like the fertility people. I did make it private. So just friend, anyone can request me and. Yeah, we'll tag um, that one when we post the episode. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, we so appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey. I know definitely was a lot that you went through. Um, but we're so excited for you that you are now pregnant with your little boy. And like I said, we're going to totally follow you and stalk you and just see all the things. Stalk away. I I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, thanks so much, Gina. Thank you guys.